Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker. It's our question and answer episode. There's lots of great questions and once again, thank you so much for sending them in. We really do appreciate it. Let's get cracking. Uh, Greg, he asks, do you think Pep's current Manchester City team will be considered the best top three or top five in Premier League history? Where would you place his team? It's tough, isn't it? Because you've got the Chelsea team that conceded ridiculously low goals that, that season, didn't they, with John Terry? I think it was at 15 goals, was it? That 15 goals they conceded that season, was it? Something like that? Mm. Something like you've that. You've got the Invincibles. The, yes, of course. Obviously, 99 Manchester United, probably, treble when they did the, the treble. treble. I'm going to say, for the way football's being played this we know Manchester. what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> the man city ambassador <laughs> i think man city's the way they've changed the game in playing football with the new positions with the fullbacks and the center back stepping into midfield are the most complete team but i think going a season unbeaten takes some doing and it might not be done ever again so I've sort of got two answers but I'd say Arsenal's is probably harder to do it depends also if you if you consider this as the, the question it says in Premier League history so if you're just talking perhaps about a Premier League performance rather than other cups I don't know I mean they're definitely top three <laughs> Manchester City oh they have to be I mean if we if we revisit this question in three or four months' time, then if they go on and do what they could do this season, Man City, then I think we'd have a definitive answer. Yeah, if they win the league again and say um, back-to-back Champions Leagues, which has never been done by an English club. Um, it was done, I hasten to add, in the um, European Cup days. One or two <laughs> clubs did that, not in Forest, uh, being one of them. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very good question. It's always difficult, isn't it? Ranking teams from one era to the other because you can run away with it. And, you know, even in the Invincible season, perhaps one or two of the sides weren't as, as competitive. Hey, guys, what were the odds that Baker was going to say Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal, Man City. Can I ask a question of you, Micah? Oh my God! Here we go. Yes, no, of course you no. can. Why, why are you an ambassador for Manchester <laughs> City? <laughs> what do you mean? Because I show the 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 beautiful, wonderful club, Man City, 
in a fantastic light. It's not all about the the glitz and, and glamour, Gary. We went there before the takeover. No, I understand that. But what's in it for you, Bing? <laughs> is it an ego thing or is it a few quid or what? Catching, catching. <laughs> no, so, so basically, when I retired, I, um, I didn't know what I was going to do with my, my career uh, or post-career. And Man City said, would love for you to be involved with, with us in some capacity, whether that was charity stuff where it was a trophy tour. So I went to Nigeria, went to Australia on the trophy tour. I went to Indonesia as well. And, you know, for someone who's been there since I was 14, and I know it's always tongue-in-cheek, but I do actually love the club because they were so good to me. And uh, yeah, that's what it entails. It is different things like sponsorship things and, and partners, which you could go and get paid for. But I don't do that stuff because I just don't have the time. Yeah. Do you not think it's conflict of interest with your job now? <laughs> Look at Lineker firing the questions at you. <laughs> I'm only kidding. It, it's not sense. politics, Mike. It's not politics. It's only football. You don't have to worry about that. That was just a joke. You need to go on the other podcast, don't you? What are the podcasts? <laughs> the rest is politics. I've been on that leading one that they do, so which is also worth a listen. And um, remarkable episode this week, actually, with um, um, Scaramucci. Incredible Who's that? Is he, he was kind of um, he worked with Trump for about I think it was eleven days um, when he first um, became president, and it's it's an amazing interview about Trump and how he is and all that. Anyway, that's um, that's a different podcast, of course. But um, here's one, Alan. How old were you when you had kids? That's not the question, but I'll come to the question in a minute. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's not a nasty question. That's so. Were you still playing? Is my point when I had kids? Yeah. Yeah, I had my, my first one in 92, so yeah, I would have been young. 22, yeah. yeah. So this question actually applies to you more than more than me here. So Chris asks, when did your kids realize you were a world-class footballer? Did they take some convincing? <laughs> they, they still haven't realized that, that I was a half-decent player. <laughs> I had two girls to begin with, so and they loved football and always came to the game. Well, then my son was born in 2000. He's football nuts, as you know. So he sort of missed probably the best years of, of me playing. Did, did you say to him, honestly, I was better than this. I was better <laughs> than this a, when I was go younger. Go and have a look at the video, son. Go and see how good the old man was, you know, when they're talking about all these forwards. And um, I don't think they've ever realised that I was... I mean, they were really as half decent at football, but they've never seen it that way, which I think is the right way. Yeah. Behave! They must have known. They must have come home and seen this absolute mansion and think, <laughs> <laughs> my dad must have been fantastic or something. My oldest two, George and well, producer Harry here, were but um, were, were very late in my career. Um, so they wouldn't have seen me play ever. Um, Harry was actually born in Japan. We still call him um, Harry Chan now on, on, on occasions. We know where Harry was made, wasn't it? Ford uh, Fiesta Harry, wasn't it? <laughs> Fiat, Fiat. Fiat, Harry sorry, yeah. Fiat, Fiat Harry. Harry. Fiat. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, he's laughing in the background here. Here's one for you, Alan. This is quite interesting. I, I can't imagine this is true, but I hope it is. Neil Heelbron, there is an urban myth that our local golf club that Alan and Rob Lee 
once hid in the clubhouse kitchen when Rude Hullet came in looking for them both. Any <laughs> truth, Alan? No, there's no uh, there's no, no truth. There's lo- honestly, damn. as much as I'd love that to be a true story, that's I've never uh, I've never heard that story before. No. Okay. A question from Andy Moore. On which side of the argument do you each sit regarding the expansion of the World Cup? Is it detrimental to the competition and diluting the quality, especially in the early stages? Or is it a positive move giving more nations the opportunity to play and potentially cause an upset on the world stage? Not for me, diluting the quality, particularly in the early stages. I get why they want to do it, financial reasons. But when you get the World Cup is the pinnacle, isn't it? It should be the very, very best. I under, there has to be a seeding to get there. I get that. But nah, I think they're diluting the competition for me. I quite like it, to be honest. If you look at teams like Morocco, what they did in, in the World Cup. I mean, probably three or four years, you know some of their players and they always seem to do okay as a nation, but and have players that in certain leagues. Well, I think Morocco is a quick, pretty high standard and African football is pretty good. I think this is to probably meaning that you'll get countries in that would probably never play in a World Cup. My, m- my main concern with it is not necessarily the number of teams in it and stuff like that. My main concern is, I'm sorry, but a million private jets and flying all across the world when the, the world really doesn't need that with climate change and the, and the terrible things that are ensuing. Um, so on, on that sense, when football constantly talks about we're trying to be green, we're trying to do the right things in, in terms of the scary nature of climate change is, is to do something like that. I don't know how they can justify it. But that's a different perspective from the football thing. Having you know countries play in the World Cup, different countries is, is, is probably a good thing. But anyway, here we go. James Hughes is a, is a question. When did you all first meet each other and what were your first impressions? <laughs> I'll let you two Herberts go first. Uh, when did we first meet? Well, when we first would have met Alan in um, the first England squad that you would have been called up to. Yeah, so that was nine, February 1992. Um, yep. Actually, today, back in 1992, I think, was the day I made my debut for England. England, France. England, France, yeah. I just saw it come up on my phone this morning. In which you took my place, because Graham Taylor wanted to have a little look at you before the Euros. You played the first half and scored. Mm -hmm. I came on in the second half and we played together. Yep. And I scored. So um, we won 2-0 against Platini's team, who hadn't been beaten for about 30-odd matches. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I remember you coming into the dressing room and I'm thinking, God, there's a young man that in the future will no doubt, no doubt in my mind whatsoever, will lose his hair. (laughs) 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 And you were absolutely Uh, fucking spot on. (laughs) You know, you throw enough darts, eventually they'll hit a bullseye. Well, come on, was there no animosity? Was it respect? Was it... No. Because it's strikers, come on. We played against each other because Gaz was at Spurs. Spurs. uh, I was at Southampton. So we played against each other and obviously he was England captain and England centre forward and scored all these goals. So, um, but that was the, that would have been the first time we actually would have met, wouldn't it? That England squad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as captain, I would, I would hope I would have respectfully welcomed him to, to, to the squad. You did just that. Look at Mikey giggling. And when we, the first time I met you, Mike, I thought you were an absolute dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you've told that story, haven't you, about when you came into the first match of the day when you were a bit like, ooh, yeah. bit nervous. I, I've, I've know. told it before, yeah. haven't I? That I mean, wasn't the first time we met, or was it? Was that the first time, Micah? Well, I mean, we played that against each other for a couple of minutes, didn't we? Yeah. But we didn't really meet. You, no. you would have come across each other. But it's always difficult because, as as Gary calls it, the A-team, and I've told the story before, so I won't go on. But it's di- because you two are legends of the game, aren't you? So for, for people coming into a work environment, and let's be honest, everyone else is all up your ass, aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely, everyone in that building. Alan, do you want this? Gary, no. Oh, oh, don't sit there. That's Gary's chair. I was like, jeez. So it it was a little bit overwhelming. But in fairness to you, you was both very nice and supportive. So I will give you that. Bless you. Bless you. Very kind. Seriously, I thought you were a really nice guy, Micah Richards. (laughs) And still are. One more question before we take a little break. Ben, hi guys. Ben from Brisbane here. In your opinion, who has been the best Aussie player in the Premier League? Cahill, Bosnich, Schwarzer, Viduka or Kuhl? And one for Alan, Robbie Slater. Robbie Slater. Can you remember that? Can you remember Robbie Slater? He was at Blackburn. I think he went to West Ham after Blackburn. He actually won the league with us when we won it in 95. Um, really nice guy, actually, yeah. Robbie Slater. I told you about Viduka. I thought Viduka was a brilliant yeah. player. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think I might go I might go Tim Cahill because he was here quite a while. For a I long time, yeah. Consistently good goal scorer. Really good player. I I would say growing up in Leeds, having seen Viduka and Kuhl, I think Kuhl probably had the most ability but in terms of longevity, I'd probably say Cahill. Do you know Harry Kuehl sued me? What? No, we don't. Really? Come Why? On. Elaborate. It's quite a while ago. I used to have a column in the Sunday Telegraph at the time. And um, it was around being about transfers. And I was talking about agents shouldn't be allowed to represent both parties in terms of the football clubs on both sides, and the player himself, because I thought it was a conflict of interest. He sued me over this because I called him naive for that, thinking that he'll, you know, because the his agent would be taking more out of the deal than probably should have done, right? So it was obvious that his agent took the hump. So he sued me along with Harry Kuehl. And then at the last minute, the agent jumped out of it and left Harry Kuehl to sue me on his own. We, I was in court for four or five days giving evidence it was ludicrous and obviously it, it, it didn't um, transpire that he, he won the case but it was like i was thinking i feel like a criminal in court here all i've done is <laughs> naive. I was, I, honestly it was so surreal so surreal there was a jury there wasn't there was really? a jury oh my goodness honestly so, so go on, t- t- tell us what it was like. So you, you got called up. I got, yeah, you, it went on and on and on. And I just kept thinking, oh, this won't happen. This is madness. This to is to madness. Say, yeah, to, to say the, the, the truth, the whole truth, or nothing, but, nothing the truth, but the truth and all that. Yeah. Wow. How on earth can that get all the way to court? And, I've no and idea. The, the money that, Jesus. Mm. Waste. It was. It was nuts. I don't know. I've never seen him since. But um, anyway, right. Um, the jury's out, so we'll um, take a little break. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. 
Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back to the rest is football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards. Thankfully, the jury have um, said not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> um, a question from Toby Young. God, it can't be that Toby Young. Kind of right-wing political commentator who's had a pop at me a few times. It can't be him, surely. Um, what do you guys make of all the news around Dan Ashworth? Is he worth £20 million to Manchester United? It's it's an interesting story. Well, Alan, he's, he's you know, he's, he's at your club at the moment. He's he's had quite a, a successful career in the area of kind of, what, what would you call it, the directing of football clubs, director of football kind of role, hasn't he? Well, he's had a really good career when you look at what he did at uh, Brighton, what he did with, uh, with England. Newcastle did that to Brighton in terms of they wanted him badly at the football club. Mm. Uh, he had to go on garden and leave at Brighton before, before he could then take over at Newcastle. But we're not naive enough to think that once someone goes on garden and leave, then they're not, they're not working for that other football club. My guess is, is that a compromise will be had. They'll pay... They'll pay a fee. Um, how much that would be, I'm not quite sure. But he's done a really good job at, at Newcastle. Uh, but when you think of what he knows in terms of players' contracts, clauses in their contracts, who Newcastle might have to sell, who they want to buy, I mean, he's taken all that info, or he will take all that info with him to a, another football club. So, yeah, it's a tough one, but it is what it is, isn't it? If you do well at your job, then someone's going to come in and try and poach you and nick you, and I suppose... It's, I mean, they're a huge football club and they're going to go on to bigger and better things under this uh, under this new ownership model that they've got. So, yeah, it, it'll be sorted out one way. Either. He'll eventually leave and Man United will pay a fee and Newcastle will get someone else in to do that job. Stephen Hesse, picking up on a topic from a recent pod, I would like to reach out to Micah for advice for my 16-year-old son. He is an aspiring young player with high aspirations in the game. How does he... Burst onto the scene. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Someone's asking Skin. fucking Micah Richards for advice. As a 16-year-old, whoever you are, please, my advice is do not fucking listen to what Mike is about to say. <laughs> wow, I feel privileged. Yeah. Come on, Micah. How do you burst onto the scene? Oh, oh. I mean, it, it's not for everyone. Not everyone can burst onto this. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, I mean, on a more serious note, I think I was lucky, wasn't I? Because I had everything going for me at the time. I got a look. <laughs> Sorry, I had everything going for me. Well, I love that. I had everything going for me, right place, right time, working hard. I think the advice I would give is is don't burst off the scene like, like <laughs> I did. But more importantly, I think there's a place I've talked about it before, not to be all serious about it, but never think you're as good as you are. Keep going, keep driving keep pushing mm. and and stay bursted on the scene. On, on a slightly serious note, for any um, parent of a 16-year-old potential football player in the future, I would say at this point, just encourage your children to enjoy football. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get your expectations too high. It's extremely competitive. And, you know, the disappointments are there for so many and only a tiny, tiny percentage of, of players will make it. But the best thing at that age is, is to enjoy your football, practice as hard as you possibly can and give, you, give yourself the best possible chance. Well said. Wise words. Right. We've got a question from Harry Producer who wants to ask you something, Alan, and he's always been on his mind. So I'm going to just let him lean in here. Lean in to ask you this question. Big Al. Yes. I've always wanted to know as a fan, you've got your coaching badges. What does that actually entail? What do you have to do to get all the badges? Oh, if you've been in the game and played as a professional, you can start off from a certain level. If you're someone who hasn't been in the game and you want to be a coach, then you, I, th I think I'm right in saying you have to start at a bit of a lower level. There's the C license, then the B license, then the A license, and then the pro license. Then there's obviously other different courses that you uh, that you have to go on. I mean, it's a long, drawn-out process that takes a, a, a few years to get all of them through there. The one thing it doesn't give you is obviously the experience and dealing with so many different scenarios that you're about to face in terms of managing people or managing men or women or whatever it, whatever it may be. I suppose that's the, the acid test is when you're given the opportunity or given the chances, you're, you're chucked so many things that you don't face in, in reality and your coaching badges. So that's basically essentially what it is. Who was your assistant at the time? At Newcastle? Yes, at Newcastle when he was a manager. I brought Ian Dowie in with me, but Chris Hutton was already there. Colin Calderwood was already there also. Yeah. The things that you're obviously good at and the stuff on the nonsense and all the rest of the stuff that comes with it, can't you assign them to do that bit and you focus solely on, on the football and your experience within the game. Yeah, you can do. But I think when back when I went in 2009, a lot of it was still down to the manager or the first team coach, whatever you wanted to, to you know, in, in terms of making the, the bigger decisions. And that's what, that's, that's the fascinating thing. Is you have to make big decisions, you know, every single day, whether that's, uh, meeting with a player to sort of problem out for a player or help a problem that a player's got. I, I said to you before, haven't it? it's what you wear or what you eat or what time you meet or whatever it is. All, all these, you've got to make all those different things every single day. Whereas a lot of that I would think now is is taken over by, by someone else. But back in 2009, the manager still had to make most, if not all of the decisions. Yeah. yeah slightly back to Harry's question. What, what, when you're taking your badges, I've never done them. Hmm. Do, do you have to 
put on training sessions? Yeah. Do you have to do exams? Yeah, you have to do exams. Yeah. Uh, you have to take uh, you have to take sessions. You have to put you, you're always being you're always being monitored. You have to have so many hours on the training pitch. What are you laughing at? What are you are you laughing away at me doing exams? <laughs> just imagine you sat down there doing exam. I just can't picture it. <laughs> look at fucking Einstein there, look. <laughs> 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 yes, you, Gary, you're taking exams, you're yeah. hours on the training field. Do you sometimes, I mean, you must go there and then the, perhaps the first people at the lower levels of your badges mm. that you get, you get someone coming in who has to guide you and be your boss and they must spout some nonsense sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is difficult. When you're going in at the, at the early level, it's like you've got, you've got these so many basic things and you think mm. to yourself, really? Is this what obviously? <laughs> yeah, but you've, you've just got to go along with it and get the boxes ticked and do what you have to do. Uh, and then the higher you're getting, then the more you're into the sort of the training sessions and what have you. Actually, you know, I did my air license in Scotland and David Moyes was one of my uh, mentors with him being involved in the Scottish FA and he was brilliant. He was He's such a nice guy, David Moyes, and the way he sort of helped the whole class and the whole group get to where they wanted to get to. Fantastic stuff. Micah, have you ever done your badges? No. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> right, last question. Last question, chaps, from Brad Henderson. Um, it's, well, it's a question uh, more to um, Alan and Gary. He says, sorry, Micah, but could you tell me your favourite story about the amazing Sir Bobby Robson? Well, how many are we told? There's so many good ones. Go on, you got any more good ones about him, Gaz? I think there's one I've, I've, I've not told about the semi-final of the World Cup when we're, we're playing... West Germany then, and in 1990, and they were going really well and in the competition, and we were obviously second favourites, but we played really well in the game. Um, they scored, I equalised, goes to extra time, goes to penalties, we all know that. And at the end of the final whistle, we were in this all kind of huddled around the middle, who's going to take the penalties? Now, we kind of pre-planned it a little bit, who's going to take them? But Gaza, because of what happened to him with the yellow card and he wouldn't be able to play in the final if we'd managed to win, he wasn't quite in the right place to take one. So we ended up with the four volunteers and Chris Waddle, who was brought in, who'd never really taken a penalty, I don't think, in his life, certainly not in a major competition. So there we were and we, we went to the centre circle, as you do, and Bobby Robson got the five of us all in a little huddle. And this classic Bobby goes, lads, don't let me down. <laughs> he, said, he said, there are 30 million people watching this back home. <laughs> me and Beardsley burst into, into laughter. Oh, we just thought, so oh, you God. You weren't shitting yourself, you were by then. <laughs> 30 million people back watching this back home. Um, it, don't it didn't let me work. down, that's brilliant. It, uh, <laughs> Typical was, yeah. Bobby. So that was my favourite. You, uh, Alan? Oh, there's so many. I mean, uh, you know about the, I don't know, I think the man management side of things, we had a, uh, we had a meeting once with Bobby and he always called meetings it was about 10 o'clock and Craig Bellamy wasn't there he was late and in front of the whole group other than Craig he was like I'll show that little shit how dare you be late you cannot be late how do you it's disrespectful to the rest of the team and five minutes later Craig Bellamy walked in morning son where have you been <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll show him. He said, and he comes and he goes, morning, son. Where have you been? It's like, yeah, uh, really? Uh, he's the loveliest bloke. Um, and we miss him. We miss him. Rest in peace, Sir Bobby. Uh, that's it from our question and answer episode. Uh, thank you very much for sending in your questions as ever. But that's it for now. We'll be back at uh, the end of the week with an interview uh, where we'll be joined by Connor Cody. So join us for that. Uh, But for now, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.